Welcome to the New Freedom Church Podcast. This podcast will help you grow deeper in your faith through weekly 30-minute talks. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get each new episode as it's released. Now sit back and relax as God speaks to you through this message. So we've been studying the Beatitudes. For the past several weeks, we've been looking at what Jesus had to say on the Sermon on the Mount. Here's one of the things Jesus said. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. No doubt we have all heard about persecution of the church in places like China or Iran. And as a follower of Jesus, we do pray for them. But as a Christian living in America, we are not really acquainted with intense persecution or threats to our very lives, all because of our faith. But persecution for what is right and for Jesus' sake is still happening in our world today. One place that persecution is really intense right now is Ukraine. We have all seen the horrible aggression and war that is dragging on in Ukraine. And today we have with us a man who lived and did ministry there for 26 years. Roger and Diane McMurrin now live here in Lebanon, but for 26 years they led Music Mission Kiev. They are classically trained musicians who have traveled the world ministering the gospel through the medium of music. Roger will share with all of us his heart for the precious and persecuted people of Ukraine. And then at the end of the service today and on into next week, we will be receiving a love offering to help the local pastors and churches with some of the very basic needs of people who are being displaced and affected by this war. So join with me in giving a big New Freedom welcome to Roger McMurrin. What a joy to be with you. Yes, as you just heard, uh, my wife, Diane, is right here in the front row. Diane, why don't you stand? This is my wife, Diane. You know, the Bible says where two or three of his disciples, well, where two or three are gathered, you know, God is in the midst, but he sent them out two by two. He sent Diane and me two by two because if I had gone alone, I don't know what would happen to Diane. And if Diane went alone, I don't know what would have happened to her. It took two to tango. When we arrived in Ukraine in 1992, 1993, I only worked with atheists and agnostics. Today, there are millions millions of Christians in Ukraine. Praise be to God. The Soviet Union had ruled over Ukraine until 1991 and it became free. They didn't know what spiritual freedom was either. But I think all the Baptists from North and South Carolina moved to Ukraine. besides a lot of other great people who brought the good news. Most of our Ukrainians had never seen a Bible. A Bible, if you got it on the black market, cost about three months wages. Can you imagine your life without the word of God? Boy, were they hungry. They loved to get the word of God. My translator was an atheist. And we gave all our people Bibles. We gave tens of thousands of Bibles away. 
and uh, Sergei was his name. And Sergei, after we had given people Bibles, he would say to me, Roger, when are we gonna, this is this, he would come an agnostic, you see, he's coming along, he's no longer an atheist, he's now an agnostic. And he says, Roger, when are we gonna start this church so we can study this book? Now that was an atheist agnostic who helped me start our first church. It's amazing what God can do to all kinds of creatures. I think there's a donkey in the Bible that speaks. What's God going to do with you today? I think that's our question. That's why we are here. I'm going to read for you first a passage of scripture. I'm teaching classes right now on the book of Revelation, and we're going to jump to the eighth chapter. Now, this kind of worship may be a little foreign to you, but to a Ukrainian who understands uh, the Greek Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church, this is a little more familiar. And this is from Re Revelation, the eighth chapter, the first five verses. When he opened the seventh seal, you know that there are first seven seals, then seven trumpets, then seven bowls in Revelation. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. What a strange thing, silence in heaven for half an hour. I even think Hitler must have read this. If you watched any of the videos of Hitler at Nuremberg or in Munich when he spoke to 100,000 people, when he was introduced, he would stand in silence for almost 10 minutes. You see, you're silent this morning because you're here to listen to what the Word of God is saying through me today. And you're to be silent. You can say amen. Of course, it means I agree, brother. But we're here to listen. And so here it says in this incredible verse, then he says, I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Well, I'm a conductor, so I know what seven trumpets look like. Then another angel having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Now, do you notice that we have angels? We have an angel speaking through John as he writes this on the Isle of Patmos. He's a prisoner. He's being persecuted for righteousness sake. The rest of the disciples have all died as martyrs. They're not in some holding zone somewhere. According to this scripture, they're with the Lord. I'll read that again. Then another angel, having a golden censer, 
came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer with the prayers of all the saints. You know, this is a book of symbols. So the incense is a symbol rising, those prayers rising to God the Father. Upon the golden altar, which is before the throne, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints. Did you know that they're praying for us today? You know, when we come to worship here, we're not alone. We're joining the heavenly worship. The angels and all of those who have died in the Lord are in worship today before our holy God. And we are with them and they are with us. We are one. Do you think about that? And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with the fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunders, lightning, and an earthquake. The Lord speaks with fire. He speaks with power. This kind of is the same kind of picture we have when we were given the Ten Commandments in Mount Sinai, the earthquake. The earth shook is a better way to say it, not just a little quake. The earth shook, the whole earth shook. When God speaks, we better listen. And when he speaks, those prayers that have gone to heaven are not just our prayers. That's what we're gonna talk about today, our praying. They're not just our prayers. Those are the prayers with the saints, the martyrs, with Paul, Silas, James, and John, and Martin Luther. Your relatives who are believers, they're with the Lord and they're praying with us today. But not just we humans, Christ is our advocate. And through the Holy Spirit, we come to the Father. So this is a Trinitarian act. And God sends back an answer, and he answers all our prayers. So I want you to know that when you pray, that you're not praying alone. And your prayers are powerful, not because of you, because you're part of this heavenly host that is praying to Almighty God, and he answers with fire. Now you say, well, fire is destructive. Yes, but you can't have refined gold without fire. And we need fire that we might be refined, that we might better serve him. This is another picture from Isaiah, the sixth chapter. I'm not gonna read it for you, 
because I'm sure you all know this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. You know, God is not one of us. It's amazing that he wants to communicate with us. We're a nothing. He's in everything. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's our savior. He's the creator of all. He's eternal. He's all powerful. He's all present. He's here today. He's in heaven. He's everywhere. He's all present everywhere. You can't locate God. He's all present. So here we have Isaiah being confronted by Almighty God. And here he is with the seraphim and the cherubim, the six wings, and they cover their eyes, they cover their feet, and they cover their bodies in humility and praise. They say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Of course, Isaiah sees this holiness, this perfection, this beauty, this glory, this splendor. Then he says, woe am I, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. But an angel goes and takes fire from the altar and purges his lips. It took fire. It hurts. God's discipline is always not fun. Purges his lips and then he says, here am I, send me. In 1992 and 93, my wife went to Kiev on a fluke. We were invited to come and conduct Handel's Messiah with Ukrainian professional singers and orchestra. And uh, we had an incredible seven weeks. We lived in one room. Uh, our home then was in Orlando. We had a home with many rooms, but we lived at seven weeks in one room we worked with people who were all agnostics or atheists. We performed Handel's Messiah. We formed another concert of, of spirituals and jazz. And uh, at the end, we did When the Saints Go Marching In. Boy, you should have seen those people. They wondered, what, who are you? You're talking, you get excited about dying? <laughs> like our dear brother was talking about Wanting to be with the Lord? Yes. Some people have death and life, but we have life and death. Because we know we're going to live in our resurrected bodies with our Lord forever 
and ever and ever. So we were on the train coming home and I said to Diane, that was kind of fun. Maybe we'll do that some other summer. And uh, we got home and our house was too big. That was the first mistake. We looked at our house and we thought, oh dear. So we put our house up for sale. No, that was the mistake, but that's what we did. And uh, then I was uh, doing music for R.C. Sproul at his Ligonier conference. And his next conference was in San Diego and I had bought my airplane ticket. And uh, about a week before R.C. calls and says, uh, we have about 2,500 registrants. We have enough money for Diane to come, my precious wife, and uh, bring Diane with you. And I, so Diane, I told Diane and she went to buy her airplane ticket, but my, my plane was full. And so she had to buy ticket on another airplane. Well, I had an experience on the airplane where I promised God that I would go to Ukraine as a missionary. I was 53. I was at the height of my career and here God was calling me out to go to a place I didn't even know how to spell. I didn't know what language they spoke. I hardly knew where it was because I'd been there that summer before but it was a very strange land. And here God was calling me to go. I got to my hotel and before I could say anything because I was scared to death, my knees were shaking as I went to the door to, in our hotel room and opened the door and before I could say anything, Diane said, Roger, I was reading in Isaiah today, the 55th chapter, and God spoke to me and said, you're going to live in Ukraine. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we did. We hugged each other and we've been hugging ever since. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, 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 you know, if he called one, but he called us both on two separate airplanes. We knew it was his call and we've known it now for 30 some years. We went to Ukraine and the Lord opened doors that you could never have imagined. In 1991, now I've got to tell you a little history. I know this is a, not a history class, but most of you know almost zero about Ukraine. And our country is sending lots of arms, more than any other country in the world is helping Ukraine in this war. So you ought to know something about this country. Now its history is very long. Now when you studied American history, you took years in high school and even junior high. And we're only a couple, 250 years old. Ukraine started back in the 600s. It was really before that, but it became an organized nation and it became Kiev Rus. I know you've not heard that before, but uh, Kiev, let me jump ahead so you understand how important this name is. In the 1200s, 50,000 people lived in Kiev, Ukraine. 20,000 people lived in London, 10,000 people lived in Berlin, and nobody lived in Moscow. Put that in Mr. Putin's pipe and let him smoke it a little bit. 
Nobody lived in Moscow. So Ukraine has, a, has an incredible history that really began with Methodius and Kurelius. You say, well, who are those strange names? Well, they're Greek names. They were from Bulgaria, but they were sent by the Orthodox Church out of Constantinople to take the gospel to the Slavs. The Slavic people, you know, Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, Slovakia. So we, the Slavs are the people in Eastern Europe and Eastern, what we know of present day Russia, the Slavs. The Slavs had a spoken language, but they had no written language. So in 870, these two monks came to Ukraine and other Slavic nations, and what did they do? They gave them an alphabet. Kirillius is one of the monks, and Cyrillic is the name of the alphabet. So he gave him an alphabet, which is partially Latin and part Greek. Why did they give them a written language? So they could read the Bible in their own language in 870. When did you get a Bible, you Americans? you English-speaking people, not till Tyndale in the 12th and 13th century. They had it in 870, the Bible in their own language. Maybe in school you studied, your grandparents at least studied about Holy Russia. It was called Holy Russia. They had the gospel a long time before we did. Here's some, they brought the gospel and this lady, Olga, was the first Christian, and she had a grandson, his name is Vladimir, and Vladimir was the czar. Now, they were from the north. These were Vikings who came down and ruled over Ukraine. And Vladimir became a Christian. So what did he do? He said, everyone, just like the jailer, Everyone's gonna be a Christian in my house. So he took the whole population down to the Dnieper River and they were baptized. And the road that took them to, from the high bluffs of Kiev down to the Dnieper River is called Kreshetic. And the amazing thing is, that means baptism. It's the main street in Kiev today. And during the Soviet era, most of our big boulevards in Kiev were either Lenin, Stalin, Engels, Karl Marx, we still had baptism, Kreshetic. They never changed the name. Boy, that was providential to keep the name of the main street of the city named baptism. The first great church was built in 970. And it was copied after St. Sophia Haggai from Constantinople, which was built in the 400s. And this church was the largest church in the world. And they copied a little one in Kiev in 970. Now, I'm gonna jump for a little bit. After the 1200s, Ukraine was ruled by the Mongols, the Tatars, the Poles, the Lithuanians, the Swedes, the Ottoman Empire, the Russian Empire, 
and the Nazis in 1941 to 1945. Why is Ukraine wanting, why is this country, why does everybody want Ukraine? It has three feet of topsoil. My, they're the largest grower of sugar beets in the world. I had a garden, you should have seen my roses. Everything grows fantastic in Ukraine. Three feet of topsoil, great weather. It gets so cold, it freezes all of the germs. Great rivers, incredible climate, and great people. In 91, when freedom came, there were two men in Moscow there's going to be an election of the Russian Orthodox Church. Now, the reason I've got to tell you about this, because this is why we're having this war today. You don't hear this on the news, so you'll get it from me today, okay? So in 91, they chose a new patriarch, Kirill or Filaret. They were both officers in the KGB with Mr. Putin. So you got two men, leaders in the Orthodox Church, and Putin, all in the KGB. Kibril was elected. Filaret lost. He got mad as a hornet. So he came to Ukraine and said, I'll start my own church. So he came to Ukraine in 1991. He had Ukrainian roots, and he started his own church, and he started to translate the Bible into a modern Ukrainian language. And in the third year, he was converted and became a Christian. This Philaret was a great friend of thine and mine. Kirill is still the patriarch in Moscow. And he and Mr. Putin are great friends. Two years ago, in you know, in the Roman Catholic Church, you have one bishop, the Pope. In the Orthodox Church, every nation has their own bishop, and they're called a patriarch. And then they come together like a congress, informally Constantinople, now Istanbul, and make legislative decisions. Two years ago, this is why Putin is so angry. Two years ago, they voted that the Orthodox Church is the official, orth, excuse me, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church that this filaret started is now the official church. The Russian Orthodox Church in Ukraine is no longer the official church. Now, here's another statistic you won't believe. There are more constituents of the Russian Orthodox Church in Ukraine than all of Russia. and they've lost. Now, two weeks ago, that was two years ago, two weeks ago, they've been, since these, even in these two years, they've been under the authority of this patriarch from Moscow. But two weeks ago, the priests and the congregations of the Russian Orthodox Church in Ukraine severed all relationships with Moscow. And I have a picture, I don't know if you can show it, of St. Sophia, and in front of the, 
in front of the church. This is the church that was built in 970. Is, is that it, Diane? Yeah, that's it. That's St. Sophia. It's been changed a little bit. I don't think they had gold domes at 970, but uh, the men in front, this is only about a week old, this picture. This gives me goosebumps because the Russian Orthodox Church and the Ukrainian Orthodox Church have had no communication since 1991. And this is an assembly where they've come together and now they're acting as one. I mean, it's an incredible thing. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's just, it's just a miracle. It's unbelievable. But you must know that the war now is a terrible thing and it's a spiritual thing. What do you think is the largest worshiping Protestant denomination in Europe? Where would it be? It's the Baptist church in Ukraine. So when we're supporting Ukraine, you must know that we're supporting believers, many believers and many Christians. And I have a video now. This is a young man who translated hundreds of my sermons and was a great aid to me. We call him Kostya, but his real formal name is Constantine, but we all call him Kostya. So would you play the video of Kostya? Hello, my dear American friends. I'm sending you hello from little village in the suburb of Kiev. It's just 15 miles from Kiev named Boyerka. I'm proud, proud that I'm Ukrainian and uh, would like to, to send you a message from Ukraine that the number one message that Ukrainians are strong and uh, as Christians we are stronger even spiritually. Yes, sometimes our physical body and our mental condition is weak and we have anxiety because we're all human beings and we are afraid but we remember that God is sovereign and we remember that he's not going to leave and forsake his children today is a what number eight day of the war and uh, we are surviving. Crazy Putin has already launched 480 ballistic missiles on Ukraine. The Chernigov city is under the missiles. The Kharkiv, the second largest city in Ukraine, is absolutely devastated. We are fighting for Kyiv. I haven't made a decision to, to take a machine gun and kill, but if they show up here, in my town, I don't know, probably I will be protecting my family, my country. I have sent my, my family about 500 miles from here to the west. I hold my hand on my son and my wife and uh, we were running like tigers to catch the train. And I stopped them, miraculously stopped them into a train and uh, they jumped into a train. No men, just women 
and children. They are in a safer place. It's not 100% safe. They have a siren and they have to hide in the bomb shelter, which now is a common practice every, every day. I used to work for many, many years with Music Mission Key, with orchestra and chorus, where Roger and Diane McMurrin were founders. I was privileged to stay in almost uh, 250 American uh, families in, uh, in 41 different states. So I know Americans really well. United States is the second home for us. I would like to express my gratitude to your president, no matter what. You can like something about him or don't like about him. The number one, the United States is helping us. I would like to thank the State Secretary, Anthony Blinken, for his enormous input when he was in Kiev to devastate Russia with the economic sanctions. Russia is going to hell, economically, psychologically, and physically. As a Christian, I don't want to have this war. I don't want for those young guys, 18, 19, 20, to be killed and to be murdered. I feel sorry for them, for their mothers. they just absolutely zombie. They don't understand what's going on. They don't understand what they fight for. But they should be forgiven, because we all want to be with them in heaven, with Belarus people, with Russian people. We just, 90% of Russian people are fine. But the hierarchy, the government, are crazy. Putin is crazy. Putin is a murderer. We hate him, but I sh probably shouldn't say that. I really want him to repent. He is the ugliest man on earth. But we believe that God allows these circumstances, terrible circumstances, for a new spiritual revival in Ukraine, in Belarus, in, in Russia, in Europe, and of course in America. I know guys, you have your own problems too. But thank you for everything, for your support. I'm thanking Roger and Diane for so much. They did so much for Ukraine for all these years. So, yes, we are weak. I'm acknowledging that officially. We are weak in terms of the military, finances. So we need your help. Raise money for us. I had left like $600 and I sent to five or six people each like 20 to $30 because they're sitting in the bomb shelter. I feel so fortunate. I can walk on the streets and I can buy some food. If you go to a gas station, they give you only seven gallons. It's like uh, from 20 to 50 liters per person. If you go to a store, they can sell you only two loaf of breads because there's a huge demand. We have flour. My mother, she's baking bread like in old times. I don't know when I will talk to you next time. I hope we'll be fine. You can help us. The number one is a spiritual help. You pray for our safety. You pray for European safety. And you pray for for United States. We all need that because the strong prayer of the righteous man can do a lot. And if we had our faith as a master seed, we can move, not just mountains, we can move Putin. Thank you guys for your help. I wish you God's blessings, God's protection.
and uh, love each other, forgive each other, and uh, the good will uh, conquer the evil, and the light will uh, defeat the darkness. Konstantin from Ukraine. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Day in and day out. Thank you, Kostya. He has uh, taken care of and served 600 families since this video. And he's continuing uh, his work. Many churches in the United States and friends are sending him monies through his new mission. And you must know that these contributions go directly to the people. There's no overhead. You know, when you give money to Red Cross, they take about 40%, I think, for overhead, maybe more. But there's no overhead. This money goes directly to the people. So I wanted you to know that when you give. We started today talking about prayer from Revelation, the eighth chapter. Because this is the only answer. You heard Kostya say that if we have the faith of a mustard seed, we can remove a mountain and we can even remove Putin. You say, well, I can give. I don't have much to give. No, we don't have much to give, but there's one thing that we can do. I challenge you all to pray regularly for Ukraine. And you join that heavenly throng at the feet of the Almighty and make your petition known. You say, why can the creator of the universe ask me to pray? He commands you to pray. If you don't pray, the rocks will cry out. He commands you to pray. So I, I want us to sing a great hymn. I was... Uh, my, one of my last missionary stints was in Zambia, Africa. And I remember one night I couldn't sleep. I was in kind of like a dormitory. And these people were yelling and screaming. Of course, they speak many different languages in Zambia besides English. And it just, from 2 to 4 o'clock in the morning, no one could sleep. They were just screaming and hollering and everything. And in the morning, I, breakfast, I said, what in the world was going on? They said, well, we were fighting with the devil. <laughs> I said, you better stop that. Only Christ can fight for the devil. If you're going to fight with the devil, you're going to lose. So there's a great hymn by Martin Luther that I want us to sing. It's going to be on the screen. Some of you played instruments in band in high school. You learned to read. Some of you took piano lessons. And now, if you don't know A Mighty Fortress, the notes are up. Are they big enough that you can see? Can you make it any bigger? Does it magnify at all? But anyway, can you see? Well, we're going to sing it together. I want you to stand, please. Now, I want you to know this hymn is basically about Satan. It's a war with Christ and Satan. And who do you think is going to be victorious? <laughs> 
A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek you're supposed to sing with us, woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Who's the powerful one on earth? Satan. The second verse. I'll just read two verses for us and then we'll sing the last verse together. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? Were not the right man on our side the man of God's own choosing? Thus ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. When they marched around Jericho, they had no arms, they had a trumpet. But the walls fell. Who, vict who was victorious? God. Okay, the third verse. I'll recite it and then we'll sing the last. We will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness, that's Satan, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. It's not your word, Jesus' word. Let's sing the last verse together. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever.